Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. That means it's time to ignite the dynamite the day after the dynamite. Welcome to Day After Dynamite. I'm Will Washington. But I'm not alone here, folks, because I am also joined by the one and only Miss Kate. Hi. I'm so excited to join you. I I know. We haven't done a podcast together. And like, uh, I we guess haven't. we kind of have in that we did the, the the big like holiday thing last year. I feel like that's the only time I ever actually yeah. did a podcast with you, though. And my mom immediately had a crush on you. So just saying. She was like, Will is cute. I was like, he's the best. Later. Make me blush on my own podcast. But thank you, Kate. Um, and of course, it wouldn't be a day after Dynamite. Of course, without a run. How are you? You're not Jeremy. me. And record time, too. You're not me. There we go. Let me get, let me take my rightful spot in between the split screen here. (laughs) Hi, Jeremy. Hi. Hi, everybody. It is record time. I saw the the notification pop up on my my Twitter that you were streaming from my Twitter. So I was like, oh, okay. Will's on. I missed last week. I was at the beach last week. uh, Mm -hmm. Phil Lindsay was here. You know, I'd like to talk to Phil. Unfortunately, your guest this week isn't as cool as Phil, but what can you do? Rude. Here's the thing with Jeremy. He likes to take all the credit for quote unquote discovering me because I crushed reciting the pipe bomb on his show. And then he just he tries and chops me down. Why did you say, Kate, you are the next chosen one just to bury me in booking? I hate it. I hate it, Jeremy. How dare you? I'm a great no, she, it, It's basically, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's theory, right? Yeah. Where, like, she's the chosen oh one. that's mean but that's yeah, mean. Call, can you call me mcintyre instead please <laughs> yeah that was, that was the meanest thing anyone's ever said about kate that was much meaner much meaner than anything i've said about her <laughs> how are you jeremy i am well i'm well i'm i was in a bubble today i saw on my, my twitter i went and went and got trapped in a bubble unlike in a different kind of bubble than the wrestling bubble but i've had a good day how about you will I have been pretty okay, especially considering I had a great time watching Dynamite last night. How did you enjoy Dynamite? I thought it was one, like, not doing a Tony Khan bit here. I thought it was a tremendous show, one of the best shows they've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, he gave me a shout out at the the ROH press He did, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tony and I are good friends now. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was a good show. Uh, it was a really good show, though. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I did too, and I'm excited to talk about it here. Um, I'll let you guys talk to it, talk about it. I gotta gotta do my run in. Bless the the day after Dynamite community with my presence. Act like I actually do something on this channel when everybody else does the hard work and I do absolutely <laughs> nothing on this channel. Don't do that, Will. I mean, you do a great show. Okay? <laughs> I've actually stepped my game up on this channel. I'm very proud. You of have. Hard you work. have. No, you know, don't don't cut yourself down. We're interviewing uh, you, challenge stars. We're getting out of the wrestling business and going into the <laughs> reality TV business, me and SB3. That's what yeah. No, you guys are making great content on Fight. Thank Global. you. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, everybody. Bye, everybody. Oh, Even you, me. Kate, sometimes. You're all Bye, right. everybody. I almost hit end broadcast because I thought the show was over. That would have been really bad. I had my <laughs> finger up there. I, I was, it was up there. I was like, oh, bye. Let me end the broadcast. That you really do want to bury people. You know what, though? <laughs> I'll tell you. When I, in case, I don't think people know this, but uh, if anybody wants to know why there were two uploads of the, uh, the Forbidden Door Media Scrum at, uh, at, on the fightful channel that's because that's what i did right <laughs> where i went into it on my other device just to make sure everything was working because i had it streaming from one device i went into it on my other device and i'm like okay everything's good and i went to back out and hit end broadcast and i'm like oh shit and like everybody and like midway through somebody talking i forget who is like actually at the podium just kind of doing their thing and talking but i'm like oh fuck i just ended the fightful <laughs> podcast <laughs> i think i've done that once before early in the the stream yard days i have not done that since then but yes my i moved my mouse over to end broadcast and was about to hit it mm -hmm. fortunately there's the other little pop-up to like are you sure you want to end the broadcast and maybe i would have caught myself but it, I I guess for my mobile device it didn't do it like oh it doesn't oh, no because uh, I I because oh, no. what I did was I had my uh my iPad does the main streaming and then huh. I was just checking in on it on my phone so I logged in on my phone make sure everything was good and then I went to back out and again I hit end broadcast and it just ended and <laughs> I'm like oh crap and I'm like but my iPad was uh was mounted on a tripod. Uh, in front of like all the wrestlers doing their talking. And so I'm like kind of army crawling over to like my iPad so I don't get in anybody else's shot, but I'm like, I have to restart stream. <laughs> <laughs> but like I actually had to like remake the stream. And so Yeah, you, yeah. After you in the broadcast, you have to re reset up everything. Right. So uh, I like had to like, like reset it up on my phone and then oh. army crawl over to the iPad, go into the stream. <laughs> See, these are the scoops we get here on Day After oh, yeah. Dynamite. When I was on two weeks ago, Will gave the scoops of how he didn't realize Swerve was winning the titles. And now we get the uh, Forbidden Door press conference. The Forbidden Season Door the press conference. Anybody who, like, if, if you happen to watch the official AEW one and you see, like, a hand slip into the shot, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's me trying to, like, get my iPad back up and streaming again. That is what happened there. Well, there the you first go. time I ever used StreamYard, I was doing, I learned the day of, and it was for NFL Draft. I can just do that to Kate, just to pop myself. It's great. I don't even know. Is she on the StreamYard? Is she? I'm ah, she's in, you scotch. <laughs> ah, it's still funny. <laughs> it's 
the hilarious. But it was very, very scary to be doing NFL draft coverage for a major media outlet, learning how to use the software for the first time, Mm -hmm. and knowing they were like, just leave studio and end broadcast. Make sure you keep those two things straight. And every time I went to leave studio, I was like, am I doing the right thing? (laughs) It's nerve wracking. People don't realize. It is. It is. Well, y'all, y'all have a great show. Enjoy talking about the dynamite put over. Two can play at that. That was good. I like that. Good job. Y'all have a good show. Bye, everybody. I'm not going to click in broadcast. Bye. Bye. All right. So, uh, and they're talking about in the chat. They said, Will also hinted at Trio's titles the other day, too. Little breadcrumbs, baby. I mean, look, sometimes, sometimes I got the shits. And. Sometimes what you have is a full-on crouton, and when you leave breadcrumbs, you're actually being very restrained. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that's the thing, right? Because, like, sometimes if you get me going, I could just, like, spill a whole bunch of shit, but uh, I am very careful because... Go to South, um, get well drunk sometime. And... <laughs> because I need to... I, I, and the part of it is that I very much have people I'm close with that I very much... Um, love and it's not even talking about just the people i'm related to but uh just in general there's people that i know that uh that i need to protect at times and so sometimes things aren't for a report it's just because there's fun things on the horizon i'm not a reporter i am not obligated to report any information no. i get let alone all of it uh you're so- not even trying to be an air quotes journalist. <laughs> right. I am not. And so I, that's the one thing I tell people all the time where they're like, how can you, um, because you know, I've done work for AEW, right. And so I've, I've, uh, there's, it's no secret that, uh, I would not do anything I haven't been paid for. So like when somebody says to me, uh, well, how could you do work for a company and then report on them? I go, cause I'm not a reporter. Um, and I've that's never it. claimed to be, and I will never claim to be, uh so that people just love to call us that because they like to be angry (laughs) (laughs) right well yeah and that's the thing is like they're like uh like and that's the thing is fightful makes it very um they they draw a distinction sean is a reporter sean uh falls on what his work that he does falls under journalism what jeremy does he reports that falls under journalism i am a personality here at Fightful. Uh, so uh, I am here to just talk about stuff that I like talking about. And that's how that goes. But that said, like I said, sometimes I, I have had reports before, but I, in, in general, I do not consider myself a reporter. And uh, I don't feel that my content needs to adhere to journalistic standards. Um, and that is uh, way more very, fun <laughs> it, it is right it's so much more fun right um, about it and, and that's it and here's the thing the times i've uh the the few reports i've had uh are the ones where i have the least amount of fun i don't know how uh i could not put my name to a lot of stuff uh mainly because of the fact that the stuff i've put my name to has had uh angry people in my inbox who it can sometimes relate to sure of <laughs> and course. so uh i'm just like you know what i don't even want my name on that report but either way yes i the the trio's titles i'm glad they're here i'm glad that all is finally 
ready to go. Yes, there's there's some more details coming on that. That should be kind of fun uh, because who are the trios going to be? Notice they said a trios tournament. Uh, and notice they said that the um, the winner will be crowned at All Out, which means that this is all I will say on this matter is people keep asking me about a little tiny thing I tweeted last night in a reply to another tweet. Think about the fact that in order to get to the finals of the tournament at All Out, things have to begin beforehand. That's it. That's it. That's all we need on that one. Uh, and so I am looking forward to All Out. I don't get to go to All Out this year. And that's a shame because I've been to All Out every year that I could go to All Out. I obviously didn't go during the pandemic. Um, I mean, pandemic's still going. But what I mean is pandemic era wrestling. Right. Uh, I did not get to go during that. So I am a little sad. But I just went to Forbidden Door. Look, there's a poster right behind me for it. Uh, I did just go to Forbidden Door. I feel like I just did Chicago. We're just so, going to get, yeah, and then we should have an investment property in Chicago that we do. <laughs> I know, right? We should. And, like, at this point, for the amount of wrestling shows in Chicago, there should just be, like, a, a I don't know, it's like a fightful timeshare or something where, like, everybody just kind of goes and stays. That's it. For various shows. Airbnb, but fightful only, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and that way, because I'll say that the, the Airbnb that, uh, Denise and I shared uh, for Forbidden Door. It was it was cool. I mean, it was like, two bedrooms. Um, one of them had a bunk bed. Uh, true story. Um, originally, the original plans for that were for me, Denise, and Sean to share that one. And Sean and I were going to have bunk beds. Uh, and <laughs> just the movie Step Brothers playing in my head. I know. I had <laughs> I had so many ideas for bits and gags and. Uh, and then Sean ended up not coming. So it's Sean like, okay, well, bailed. now I have this bunk bed to myself. Did you choose top or bottom bunk? See, I'm here to ask the real questions. I chose bottom because oh, by the time I... You're such an adult. You're so uh, boring. I know. It was because <laughs> when, by the time I thought about it, I'm like, no, take the top bunk. But by the time I ever got to sleep any of the nights we stayed there, it was super late. And it was literally just like a walk in and pass out kind of thing and like the idea of even trying to climb was just way too much for hard me. pass hard pass <laughs> all right so uh don't forget about super chats don't forget about uh humper chats hey don't forget about leaving us a thumbs up right here it's right there you, you can see it you're on youtube it's right there in your bottom left corner it's right okay. over there just leave a thumbs up and if you don't, don't want to leave a thumbs up don't do anything uh but definitely leave us those thumbs up uh, Matt Stone said, I was at Dynamite last night. I was even on TV during the Starks promo. Great crowd, great show. Love that. Uh, it also, was a hot crowd last it, night. It was a hot crowd. And I will that say promo that. promo was beautiful. Massachusetts um, turns out for wrestling. Because last Friday, SmackDown was in Boston. Saturday, uh, Ring of Honor was in Lowell, Massachusetts. Wednesday, Worcester, Massachusetts had dynamite, and and ROH that, was just in Lowell. Yeah, the, and, but and that's the thing. Lowell is like maybe two hours away from Boston, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but the, uh, but I know Worcester and Boston are only like half an hour apart, right? So this isn't that far. As a matter of fact, uh, I'll say this is kind of a better venue than uh, where does don't they normally run like the Agana Center? 
in Boston, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, I think so. Againis Arena. Uh, let me see. Againis Arena in Boston, that's right. Um, I know my arenas. You do. Look at you. <laughs> uh, Orion Ben 666 says, We were speculating about Hobbs and Starks on Grap City the other day. I think all of us went not like that at the same time last night. How? All right. Let's do it. Let's talk about the show. Show kicked off with the All Elite Wrestling Interim World Championship on the line. John Moxley versus Roosh. And uh, Roosh, uh, accompanied by Jose the Assistant. This was a match that the second it was announced at Death Before Dishonor, I think people were really excited about, were really looking forward to. And uh, they did not disappoint. Um, now, granted, people had the question that I think a lot of us had. What exactly qualified Roosh for a world title shot? I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, especially in a company that has at least gone out of its way to make sure that most title shots are explained. Um, that usually it's uh, you're either ranked or you have been chosen by the champion. And this time they didn't go with either. They were just like, nah, Roosh is getting a title shot. And he got a title shot. <laughs> and, uh, but this was a really, really fun match. Um, it was a little bit slower before the break. Uh, the, and they got to blood really fast. Uh, but by the second half of the match, when we got after the commercial break, this was just balls to the wall. Fire. I thought they made Roosh look like a million bucks. They made him look like somebody who can hang with John Moxley. The finish came with Moxley hitting a full-on paradigm shift, not just the dirty deeds, and Roosh kicked out. And then Moxley had to then uh, apply the uh, the choke to take him out. Um, the other big thing here that I continue to appreciate is that the the clubbing elbows to the side of the head are officially just like the Blackpool Combat Club signature move. Like, if you're in the Blackpool Combat Club, that's a thing you do. Kate, what did you think of this match? So I agree with you that if I was ranked, I'd be real annoyed that Roosh just gets the title <laughs> shots. Uh, and I think in general, and this got answered after, I was kind of like, can we get a story for Mox to be in with this title? Like, I mm. have been... I feel like because we had Forbidden Door, Blood and Guts, and ROH like basically their return true pay-per-view so close together it was like there was only so much movement you can make with certain stories <clears throat> but i thought as far as in ring this was fantastic i think a lot of people learned about roosh through roh because there's been so he's just done such great work there and his, a lot of people's eyes were opened i think on saturday um and i i just loved the match i loved uh, when Mox was bleeding, him like licking his hand with the blood on it. Just like, what a badass move. I also liked his sell of the way that he fell asleep in the finish. I thought it was really, really, really strong. And he's just a little cannonball man. <laughs> he was he all over that arena. But very excited to see John Moxley now getting a, a kind of a proper story, it looks like, coming out of this match. Um, well, I'll say a, a fun opener to dynamite. They're pretty good about opening with like high energy, really fun matches to get you hooked. Well, and I am a big fan of um, the way Moxley's been presented as champion, uh, mainly because 
it's just been nonstop. He has not missed an episode of Dynamite since becoming champion. And it is, uh, when you think about what he's done, just back to back to back to back, it was like he won the title. Three days later, he's in Blood and Guts. One week later, he wrestled Kanosuke Takeshita. Um, and then he, uh, I feel like I'm missing one. Because um, I know he had the tag match with, uh, uh, what was it, against Best Friends, uh, tagging with, um, Garcia, uh, uh, Wheeler Yuta, or I'm and then, Garcia, yeah, Yuta. Yeah, he <laughs> the other side Yuta. of that feud. <laughs> yes, and here he is now wrestling Roosh, and it's just like Moxley was like, "Nah, I'm champion, but you're gonna see me every freaking week, and uh, I am gonna be in that ring doing what I do." And then of course Brody King uh, was the other one. He had the match against Brody yes, for the title. From the... Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Orion Ben six six six. He's just been nonstop, and like it almost surprises me that there's no Moxley match announced for next week. But I imagine we're gonna get one because this seems to be Moxley's mo right now, and he continues to work the indies, and he's got a GCW title sh- uh, title match, and, and like, a baby. Yeah, <laughs> like he has just been going as hard as you know. Moxley had that year in 2016 where he worked more matches than anybody in pro wrestling moxley was just going nonstop. he's working the house shows and then uh and he was mostly headlining the b circuit of house shows and then roman reigns uh got suspended and they were like uh dean can you also work the <laughs> the other circuit of house shows and he just went non-stop this is a guy who just you give him the ability to work and he's going to work he's going to do it and for me to see the champion get to do that is such a departure from, um, you know, Hangman we saw on occasion. Hangman, usually we saw him in a promo, and then the matches were very rare. But that just isn't how Moxley operates. Moxley is like, I don't care if I'm champion or not. If I'm booked, I'm coming to work, and that's great. But Brian's the same way. Brian is very much a guy who, if he is booked on a show, he wants to work. And so having Brian back is also going to make things really interesting. But yes, you're right. After the match was over, uh, we all kind of knew this was where it was heading. Uh, That ultimately, the Blackpool Combat Club and Jericho Appreciation Society stuff had to culminate in the leaders of both going head to head. And that's what we got here was Chris Jericho then uh, makes his way out with the Newest member of the Jericho Appreciation Society, Anna Jay. I thought Anna Jay was good here. I thought that her energy was, uh, she had a lot of fire there. I forgot that she actually had such a great presence as a heel. She's been a babyface for so long because obviously the whole Dark Order turned faced after Brody passed away. But I forgot that she was very good at this as a heel. And I am excited to see more of her there. Um, yeah, I, I liked her there. I, I liked, you know, I know it got people up in arms as if they haven't seen this before. But the I saw a bunch of people on Twitter uh, harping on the appreciate us line. It's have so good. You not, have you not been watching the show? Like, this is a thing that they do. Uh, so... There was something in the cadence this week that people understood that it was an acknowledge me parody. Like, right. <laughs> I think I think the way it was delivered for whatever reason this week was just more connected. But yeah, 
to your point about Moxley defending the title so much and wrestling so much, I think that's really important with an interim title too, to make it feel legitimate because it already yeah. feels like a step down too, right? So if you're going to have a substitute title or whatever, I think it's really important that it be very present in the show because yeah. it's already uh, the diet version, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, so- and I agree with that. Although this promo really did what it needed to do to establish that, uh, you know, Moxley said, and he, he was like, uh, get the interim crap out of here. He's like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I am the champion. Um, and I, I've appreciated little details like that because Regal's done the same thing. Whenever Regal's on commentary for John Moxley matches, he won't say interim champion. Regal is like, this is the AEW world champion. And I like that the Blackpool Combat Club, like as a whole, acknowledges, as far as we're concerned, our guy won this belt. He is the champion. We don't care uh, what the deal was. This is the champ. And I like that Moxley sees it that way. Uh, and that it's really just as far as the official everything is concerned. Uh, but we had Chris Jericho issue the challenge. He noted that it's been two and a half years since he went for his return match. Uh, and it is fitting that the return match is against the guy he lost it to. Um actually kind of props on the fact that to that point i feel like chris jericho versus john moxley felt at one point like the biggest match AEW could have put on that in february of 2020 when all of that was happening um that was a big when did that feud officially kick off i want to say it kicked off the night after thanksgiving thanksgiving it was the or the night before thanksgiving it was the the Thanksgiving episode of Dynamite. The go home to Thanksgiving. Yeah, That's the right. go home to Thanksgiving. <laughs> 2019 was the first time Jericho and Moxley had a, any confrontation uh, as far as the title was concerned. And it went from end of November till the end of February. So we're talking three whole months of a feud. You know, we had Moxley getting the car, all of that stuff. Which, if they bring up the car again, uh, I, I feel like that's one thing I would love to see. Because uh, I appreciate it for a few weeks. That Oh, and they're saying, what arena was that show at? That's an easy one, because every Thanksgiving show Dynamite does is in Chicago. But this was before Wintrust, so that one would have been at the Sears Center, which is now the Now Arena. There's um, like a 57% <laughs> chance if you just say Chicago. Uh-huh. It's at least happened in one of those. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, that's one of those ones. That that's a layup because uh it's always going to be always. uh that's a tradition now for AEW is to do the Thanksgiving Dynamite in Chicago. But I but now it's Wintrust Arena that they're doing that one at. Um which is a better fit for it. That said, uh Jericho makes the challenge Moxley accepts, but he's tired of this Chris Jericho. He's like, God, I hate you. And he's like, but uh, but I liked Moxley here because he brought it around. He's like, I hate you, but I've respected you because as far as you're concerned, you've been one of the goats. Uh, and But I don't want to face this Chris Jericho, the sports entertainment crap Chris Jericho. If you're going to face me in two weeks at Quake by the Lake, uh in minneapolis minnesota at the target center um he wants the lionheart chris jericho Ooh. yeah so So a few things with this sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but like um 
As far as the Anna Jay stuff, I had a bit of a different reaction to you. I feel like this doesn't feel like who she is. Like this, one thing I always appreciated about Anna Jay was I felt like she was kind of a badass without like a, in a, not a shoving it down your throat kind of way. Like she didn't have to wear like spiked gear and black makeup or whatever to like show you that. But I always just felt like she was kind of a badass. This felt much more two-dimensional to me and I'm really concerned that the booking is going to fall to the wayside of like what they did kind of with Penelope and the bunny like that that makes me really really nervous because this to me is reading a lot like that and I have some other complaints too that we can get into later but this um I don't know I liked the energy I felt like it came across as a little bit inauthentic to me um but I am glad to see more women on my tv anytime right so I feel like, so to me, I've always felt, and um, this is going to be true pretty much everywhere, and we'll talk about it in the next segment, but every great baby face to me in pro wrestling is rooted in a great heel, and uh, that has just kind of always been true, that you, you can't really look at any successful baby face in the history of pro wrestling without them having had some kind of heel run that it started with that the fans just eventually gravitated to. Um, I feel like Anna had a little bit of her heel run ripped from her in that, um, and rightfully so, right? Like there was no way you could keep the Dark Order heels at that stage. But I did feel like she was getting her legs under her as a performer because any performer will tell you, right? That working heel gives you a little bit more comfort on the mic because you can explore certain things that being a babyface doesn't give you a chance to explore. You don't get to to toy with the fans. You don't get to really explore catchphrases as well as you can um, with being a heel. And a lot, a lot of things get to come of that. I thought that two years ago when she was working heel, she you know she choked out um, Brandy and really got to put the Queen Slayer over as you know something devastating, something to take out the other women on the roster. And I wanted to see more of that from Anna, and she didn't really get to finish. And I feel like I want to see her get to explore the side of her. I think that um, it's hard because I kind of know where it's going. But again, this is one of those things that <laughs> uh, so. Uh, and I'm not but, even against an Anna J heel. I think that could be really great. But this presentation of it to me did not feel like the Britney Spears oops I did it again get up didn't feel like Anna J to me. She didn't I thought it up. was like almost perfectly obnoxious. And that to me is another way to kind of get under people's skin is when something is um, just kind of in your face. And I feel like she very much was. Although I appreciate you bringing up oops I did it again. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) (laughs) which is also a fair take i just feel like even in even the best bad guys right there's something that you can connect to that Mm -hmm. i i say that's authenticity i think it's the part of a heel that you can identify as being a real person and she did not come across as like a real person to me in this this change like this felt like she was playing something rather than um leaning into what could be a really great this didn't feel like a queen slayer and i think i want to see heel queen slayer and at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership 
we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Jay, rather than... Conti's friends Anna J. Like it's so kind of red as that to me yesterday, but I will leave room and patience for it. Um, I- I'm also glad to see Ty and um and Anna back together because I believe I guess by the record books, they haven't been together since uh just like this past March. But that's not true. Like officially, they haven't been together since like December. Um, and the reason I bring that part up is because uh, AEW had taped a whole bunch of dark in December, and then uh, it was at the what show was that? Uh, the New Year Smash show. They taped a whole bunch of dark the day before, and a lot of that content they held on to until like three months later and they ended up running some of those matches three months later and one of the matches they ran wasn't anna jay ty conti tag match but if you looked at that um it was like they actually haven't been together in a long time uh and i like that somebody caught that i sneezed i hit the mute button <laughs> bless um, you. but i still appreciate the <laughs> bless you in the chat but uh it, it's been interesting they haven't really been together all year and uh, they got to bring that group back together because, I don't know, they're a good duo. And if Ty has to be healed by proxy of being tied to um, Sammy Guevara, then in that regard, and I know that's probably one of your least favorite things going right now, uh, <laughs> well, but was, we'll talk about that here shortly. It, yeah. it was just that they she was probably the most improved wrestler of last year, and then what they did with it was have her get harassed by Dan Lambert for five months. Like, they didn't really... <laughs> Yeah. capitalize on the momentum of it um but i actually saw i saw tay conti work heel at like a house show at coco beach in florida like five mm. years ago and she was so fantastic as a heel so when she turned i was like i felt like i had this little secret with myself that i knew which was that <laughs> she can actually be a really great heel in the ring she was doing some really really fun stuff and definitely understood um even then before well before she was even on nxt tv for her brief stint that like she definitely understood how to be a, a heel storyteller so i'm very much looking forward to to that side of her i think mm. it'll be really fun once that's like now expressed in the, in the chat, ring. was that the same one tk was at 
because Tony Khan has mentioned time and time again that he was at an NXT house show where he first saw Ty Conti and realized that was somebody that he was interested in. And then he ended up, when he saw she was a free agent, he like immediately wanted to snatch her up for that very reason. Were you at a house show with Tony Khan? Not to my knowledge. This was in Cocoa Beach, so I would assume he did one probably closer to like a Jacksonville loop, maybe. But yeah, probably Jacksonville loop. But either way, it's probably the same loop doing the same. Let's work. make it up. Let's yeah. make it up right now. I was definitely at a house show with Tony Khan. We both saw something special in Tay Conti, and we bonded over it years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is all a lie. So the next segment had. I'd say got the most chatter of the entire show because uh, a lot went down in a very short amount of time. But, and it was the thing everybody thought was going to happen. But I think I saw this playing out till all out. I didn't realize they were just going to do all of this in the span of like five minutes. Uh, but I'm actually kind of glad they did. We started with uh, the entrance of Danhausen. That led to a video package for. Uh, Ricky Starks, phenomenal video package. Uh, it was Lost almost it. enough to, I don't know, get him cheered. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and so uh, it reminded me a lot of the video package they ran for MJF back in December at the uh, Long Island show. And so it's Ricky Starks versus Danhausen. Match goes a minute. But... Hmm. It goes a minute, but Ricky Starks had a little bit of neck issue in that one minute. But he ends up soundly defeating Danhausen. Uh, beats him one, two, three. But again, Danhausen happens to be tied to somebody that Ricky Starks is tied to. So we all kind of knew where this was going. But like I said, uh, and as a matter of fact, the crowd was already chanting for it. When Ricky grabs the mic and he said, uh, you know what? I've got a little more left in me. I want to defend this title again to anybody who's back there. And the crowd starts chanting, we want Hook. And so I almost thought they weren't going to deliver. Like, oh, let's tease it and string this along a little bit more till it's time. But yeah, Hook's music hit. Big pop. There's no pop like the crowd chanting for somebody. And then they get what they were asking for. That's one of my favorite pops. So for them to be chanting, we want Hook, we want Hook. And then as soon as the, the little opening of Hook's music hits, crowd goes wild. And Ricky accepts the challenge. Title's on the line. Hook and Ricky have another exchange. But Ricky's kind of nursing the neck the whole time, which allowed Hook to... Uh, Get Ricky in the jaws of defeat. Taps out Ricky in what was an impressive minute 31. And the reason that's impressive is because the match that took place before was a minute 30. And so literally by just one second, this match was longer. And uh, But we have a new FTW champion, Hook. He has secured his birthright. As the FTW champion, he took the gold from Taz. This was clearly the plan, at least as far back as a few weeks ago, when Hook was interviewed by Lexi Nair, and she mentioned uh, going after gold, and Hook implied he was going to go after some gold. Some thought he was going after the TNT title, but you know there's no way in hell he was going to be facing Wardlow. 
he went for it, and he's got the FCW title. What did you think of this portion of the show, Kate? I'm just going to pull this up. I know it's not a super <laughs> chat, but the this segment was called Kate Was Right All Along. Yes, I've been predicting this for months, and I've also been saying that Ricky Starks is going to be your breakout star of the year. I think it's too late in the year for people to be realizing that, but I'm glad people are coming around to this idea. This segment was pretty brilliant from front to back for a few reasons. My only complaint is I think there was a lot of juice in Starks versus Hook that they, they could have tapped into. Like, And they, yeah. still, they still might revisit that at some point. Like, Ricky Starks could go on some downfall, and it could be Hook's fault. Like, there's plenty of booking options there but in my head that was like a best out of three over the course of eight weeks or whatever um but here's like what was so incredible about it to me um i've said this a few times and i'll say it again stick with me on it because i'm not saying ricky starks is as good as bret hart and i'm not saying he's as good as Shawn michaels but i'm saying (laughs) as far as in-ring strengths go ricky starks has both of the best parts of those guys like Shawn Michaels is the only person I've ever seen look like he was trying to get back over a rope in a Royal Rumble, right? And his charisma for days, like all of the character commitment that a Shawn Michaels had, I see in Ricky Starks. It's so obvious, like how um, he's just dying to get out of every three count. He's dying to apply any hold that he can. Like that part feels very Shawn Michaels to me. His ring IQ and the efficiency that he has in the ring of no move is wasted. Like everything has an intent behind it. Um, That reads as very Brett to me. That reads as a guy who went and studied his Brett Hart fundamentals and was like, I'm not leaving anything, you know, no stone is unturned and I'm not doing anything superfluous in the ring. Um, And that combination, when you have someone who's so character driven and charismatic with those in ring smarts is a really, really special wrestler in modern wrestling, in my opinion. So, um, With this segment in particular, what I found so incredible was Hook is like a special type of over where he was like kind of meme over and then he turned out to be really great and now everybody wants to cheer for him. And they also want to cheer for him in a really playful way, which to me always reads as like super enthusiastic. So to go from facing that guy, but still getting your own cheers and transitioning to the point where he was made such a baby face by what Hobbs did to him. Hobbs, who's also likable, a heel, but a likable heel. Like, I think people might miss how difficult of a bridge that is, or a gap that is to bridge and to have done so, so organically, like to go from facing one of the most playfully over guys in the company to delivering this promo that read very real, that line of, I turned, uh, leather and metal into gold was like just beautifully said um oh yeah and then to to walk away being the the biggest baby face from that segment after i thought was just such impressive work and way more difficult than people realize what they accomplished in three minutes of in-ring action to the end of that segment was so 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 well done and my god that spear of Ricky Starks lays people out. It's it's a really beautiful spear because of the way he like throws himself so deep into his opponents. It's it's phenomenal. I thought that one of the most effective pieces of all of this, and I'm sorry you guys in Worcester, Massachusetts didn't get to experience this, but Taz. Taz is oh. very effective in making sure that all of this um, is sold properly because I thought that um, him not 
liking the idea of Ricky defending the title again uh, and being kind of put off by that. He's like, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden it's Hook. Who the hell does Taz root for, right? It's like my son versus my protege. What do I do here? This is Team Taz imploding. Uh, And then it's like, okay, congratulations. That's my son. He got the title. You know, Ricky put up a good fight. You know, they fist bumped. Everything was good there. And then when Hobbs turned on Ricky, and my God, Hobbs turning on Ricky. First off, the memes have been (laughs) beautiful. Um, Perfect. I knew somebody was going to do it. Ricky! And I'm so glad I finally got it. Um, That was good. But, I mean, the way Hobbs clubbed him was just so brutal, especially having watched Ricky nursing his neck in the last two matches, right? So, like, the way Hobbs clubbed him was like, oh, my God, what the hell? And He attacked his weakness. Yeah, attacked his weakness. And Taz going, Hobbs, what did you do? Like, Hobbs, like, Taz is now, my group just literally imploded as I just watched in front of my eyes. And um, there was little things here where, you know, we could talk about what exactly was Hobbs's motivation for such, but I feel like you already saw it and you heard it where Ricky's cutting this promo and he's very passionate and he's dropping a lot of truths. You know, he mentioned the whole, um, I'm, I, I deserve more than 40 seconds. Uh, and, you know, he talked about it wasn't a string of bad luck. Um, it was a string of bad timing. Uh, and then when he says, and you know what, and me and Hobbs, and then Hobbs clubs him immediately. Yes. It was as if to say, like, you don't get to speak for me. Uh, and he was like, Hobbs was okay until he spoke for him. And once he dropped Hobbs's name, that's when Hobbs clubbed him. And then he hit him with the spine buster. So I'm hoping that's elaborated on a little bit more. But this, all of this. <laughs> Great pro wrestling. Guess Great what, guys? Oh, by the way, first match, I give an A to. This here, oh, yeah. and this is everything encompassed from, uh, because this isn't me just saying this from the perspective of, and if people can't figure out what I'm doing, I'm also somewhat stalling because I realized I didn't have the S graphic queued. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, hold I'll on. say first segment for me was an A minus. Um, in ring wise, was an A plus probably, but just because the the lack of story and justification for why he was getting a title shot that can, that makes it an A minus for me. Yeah, for me it gets an A because at the end of the day, I just love pro wrestling. That's and, fair. That's uh, completely fair. At the end of the day, if you just give me two wrestlers that I like, um, and make them wrestle, uh, I will. Uh, that's awesome there's not much more i need than that but as far as for a title i need it for a title as far as the last segment is concerned now keep in mind this is not a match rating this is me rating the um the ft the ftw title defense the two title defenses followed by the promo afterward folks this gets the much lauded s tier Yes, this was phenomenal stuff. I was very happy with uh, just everything that went down. I felt like Hook got to become, uh, we got to capitalize on everything that's gone on with Hook since last year, but we also got to 
elevate Starks in a way that he hasn't been elevated yet. That yes. he moved up into being almost a top tier babyface almost immediately. Hobbs, Hobbs looked menacing. Hobbs looked more menacing than he's ever looked, especially when you look at, you know, we've talked to Hobbs on Grapsity. We've talked about his physique. We've talked about how, uh, how much he transformed himself over time. And I feel like the way that the camera had him over uh, Ricky Starks and the way he's standing over him and he just looked like a menacing force, I thought Starks got to look good. And the way he clubbed the neck, beautiful shit. Uh, and this was I worry perfect about, pro wrestling. Like I worry about Ricky Starks' neck. I know people who um, who are like afraid of hitting their finishers on Starks because of uh, his neck history. Like it's there's they're stuff with that, but beautiful, beautiful stuff. I was very pleased with how all of this went down. And to uh, your point, like the behind the scenes of that, right, feels like ricky lost his title but he graduated like yes. that's really that's great pro wrestling when the person who loses feels like they're moving up and the person who gets the title now is like made by that like that's exactly. a, that's the most ideal situation that you can get from a pro wrestling situation i think and like a beautifully set up story between hobbs and starks to boot coming out of this like what more do you want from 10 minutes on your television i don't know <laughs> yes uh and so the the other thing too is I feel like a lot of things for All Out on this show became very clear, and I yes. like that a lot. Uh, we had uh, next match was Sammy Guevara, accompanied by Ty Conti, taking on Dante Martin with uh, his, uh, I guess we all kind of know, that yeah, his real-life girlfriend, Sky Blue. Um, I honestly would have been fine with Dante winning this, but I recognize why he didn't. Uh, this was the first time we had seen Sammy Guevara compete in a while. And Dante Martin talked about that. He talked about how, you know, all Sammy does is his vlogs and his travel and all that. But Dante's here week in, week out, doing what he does best. Dante is getting good, by the way. His presence on uh, on the mic in, in these backstage promos is so much better than it was a year ago. Uh, he has this intensity. Um the goatee is like working for him and it has increased his intimidation factor. He comes off so much more, uh, just intentional than he ever did. And so he gets in there with Sammy Guevara and the whole match is basically spots and it's fun spots. It is, but mostly it was Dante outworking Sammy and, uh, and, beating Sammy at his own game. And uh, at every turn, Sammy thought he had Dante. Dante had a counter uh, until Dante uh, ultimately was distracted by Ty. That allowed Sammy to catch him with the GTH 1, 2, 3. Then we... Uh, Sammy was going to go for a little bit more. Sky Blue tried to stand up for Sammy. This led to uh, Ty then attacking uh, Sky Blue. We then had a run-in from uh, Eddie Kingston and uh, Ruby Soho and uh, Ortiz evening the odds. But then 
Uh, Anna Jay was out there as well. So the feud continues, but at least we've kind of, I feel like, finally moved on from Jericho and Sammy, and we did transition, er, Jericho and uh, Eddie, and transition to Sammy and Eddie, which I'm much more cool with and much more willing to see. Uh, I know you had some thoughts on this because I yeah. follow you on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I know what thoughts to prepare you for, Kate. Um, what I've had you... I've had some time. I've I've gotten some sleep. I'm a little cooled off by it, but um... the match itself for me, by the way, um, was you know it was a solid B minus. And and part of it for me was just I enjoyed uh, Dante getting to show out, and that it was really just a mistake that cost him the match. But I did enjoy what we got up until that point. But what did you think? So I thought I'll start with the in ring. Um, I thought the in ring was really good. Like I, I think they, we always say like that styles make matches. They're kind of like different enough, but also in each other's worlds enough. Where like, was it kind of spot festy? Yeah. Is a spot fest fun sometimes? Sure. Like it was, it was pretty good. Um, it was at this point where I realize how exhausted I am from the trope of like every woman that we saw on TV minus the women's title match, which was in the 930 slot, um, needed a man to get on TV. And I'm okay with that trope in situations where it feels authentic. Ruby and Eddie feels so authentic to me. Like that feels very real. Um, cause it sounds like it is real. It sounds like they were real life friends, which is cool. Um, but every other woman who was on television needed a man to get there. And while I like seeing women on my television more, been complaining about it for months. Like anybody who knows me knows that it's my biggest gripe with the company. Um, but it just, Sky Blue hasn't really been winning matches. Like the only reason Sky Blue was in that position was because they were dating. And the only reason Sammy is and Tay are like paired together is because they're dating. And the only reason Anna Jay is there is because she's Tay's friend. Um, so I, I'm just tired of the same trope getting repeated in a way that it just makes it feel like women are either accessories and like can't build feuds on their own, or like I'm, I'm kind of tired of this idea that women have to earn screen time because they sign the same contracts as everybody else, right? So. So it's... we got a, a super chat from Zach that kind of said the opposite, where he says the Dante Sammy match was built around the Ruby tie feud. Dante and Sammy were the accessories. Eh, I mean, I do feel then like let Ruby uh, and Tay have a match. I can say <laughs> that um, that I do feel that Sammy has in this particular feud does kind of feel like the accessory to Ty more than Ty feeling like the accessory to Sammy. Um, and that the, the bigger picture here is the fact that uh, it, it, the bigger, ex I would say the bigger picture here is Ty versus Ruby. Um, sure. Put that on TV first then. Now, when, when are we going to get the second match? I don't know. Um, that's uh, a, I know some things about that um, and, and why that is. Uh, and um there's pieces of it that i see there's pieces of it that i don't um but uh not one of those things i can really without talking to a couple more people divulge here um but i'll say that the uh, uh and that that that's me being reasonable to the uh fightful journalistic standards and that um 
there is a big due diligence thing we do here where uh, we hear a lot of hearsay. Uh, Fightful. Uh, I said this on Twitter yesterday. A lot of hearsay. Um, until we can kind of tie things to multiple sources, um, reporting it is irresponsible. Correct. Uh, so there's that. The other part of this that I didn't like was that Dante can't count because we just saw Dante and Anna J um, partner and he brings out one woman with him. So if you're doing that to try and even the numbers game, you need to learn to count. Um, but well, that was the person he could find. <laughs> uh, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess maybe uh, pick someone who's winning matches, like nah, perhaps uh, somebody that's ranked and your girlfriend. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I am into the idea of Sammy versus, uh, versus Eddie Kingston. Um, I have a hunch it's going to be a mixed tag at all out, or if not at all out, then around all out. But my guess is at all out. Uh, I don't know where that puts Ortiz in all of this, but, um, at least he's still getting to do a little something. Uh, I also am just so annoyed by the booking that Eddie Kingston didn't beat Chris Jericho. Like, that doesn't feel resolved to me until Homicide and Eddie Kingston put Jericho in a body bag at some point. Like, that, he was so <laughs> vicious about wanting to murder Chris Jericho, and Jericho won. I know. <laughs> I'm like, that's not done for me. It's done right now, but that's not done for me. <laughs> so I, I was in a little bit of disagreement with that last week because I recognized that they did want to get to Chris Jericho versus Moxley for the title. Sure. You can't get there with Jericho losing. But I feel like if you're going to have Jericho win, then it should have just been definitive. It should have just been... like I didn't like... See, I thought the opposite. I didn't like Eddie getting anything back on Chris Jericho. I feel like if you're going to end a feud, end it. Um, even if the heel wins, end it. And I thought that if Jericho was going to win, he should have just won and we moved on. Um, but the fact that he won, but then Eddie like still got one more up on him... I don't know. I thought that this was the perfect time to just transition to Eddie and Sammy because at the end of the day, you had a perfect way for Jericho to win because he's moving on to the title and do it uh, because Sammy got thrown off the top of the um, Blood and Guts cage. Sammy has a reason to want revenge on Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston and Sammy, er, and a best way to do that would be for Sammy to cost Eddie the one thing that he's been trying to get this whole time, which is to put Chris Jericho away. Perfect transition. You didn't have to do anything else. I didn't like the follow-up on that. It should have just been moving on, and Chris Jericho moves on to the title. Um, I will say the payoff from Blood and Guts is so beautiful here because, like you said, there's just naturally a story between Sammy and Eddie. I think mm -hmm. Sammy has been in a spot where he has – like a lot of the booking has been on the company for this latest Sammy heel run and not on Sammy himself. So I think Eddie Kingston making everything feel so personal is such a perfect person for Sammy to yeah. immediately get in a feud with. And, um, you know, that the booking of the end of blood and guts between that and him and Claudio having an issue, but not one that's so big, it needs to be resolved right. The sec second, I think is like, so perfectly done and cannot like we can't underestimate how much orchestration goes into an ending like that <laughs> yeah uh nathan says please tell me you guys have seen the boys in the hood hobbs turn <laughs> mashup on twitter that was what i was referencing earlier with the ricky yeah like i i love that um that was 
very, very good. Uh, so the next segment was JB, Jungle Boy. Uh, he, we get to hear from him for the first time since Road Rager, where he was betrayed by Christian Cage. He took the concerto, uh, but he is here now uh, to answer back at all of the things that we saw uh, Chris, or, did I say Jericho? Christian Cage. Christian Cage. All the things Christian Cage had said about Jungle Boy. We finally got to hear his response. Um, I'm one of the few people who thought turning Luchasaurus was a bad idea, and I'm glad we're back here. Um, mainly because I know a lot of wrestling purists hate Luchasaurus. I hear it all the time from especially uh, old wrestlers with podcasts. They were always talking about, uh, oh, Luchasaurus, he's such a big man, but why doesn't he wrestle like a big man? There's a there's a way big men are supposed to wrestle, and he doesn't do it. Why is he doing flips? Why is he doing kicks? Why is he doing leg slaps? Why does he wrestle like that? Big men aren't supposed to do that. Um, you, there's not a single wrestler's podcast you probably haven't heard that from. But I'm not an old wrestler. I am a viewer. And the one thing that I notice as a viewer is that I've seen that. I've seen that from a ton of big men. Uh, and there are big men around who are still doing that. What the hell do I need that for from every big man when uh, there's when Luchasaurus actually had something very unique that fans were really into? That he had one of the hottest hot tags all of pro wrestling. That he could that man could stand on the apron and get Luchasaurus chance. The fact that uh, he had is Luchasaurus ever going to be somebody that I want to see in a major angle? Not really. Is he going to be somebody that uh, I want to see hold a singles title or be in a main event feud? Mm, probably not. But is he somebody who's unique, brings a, a, a very strong presence to um, to live shows? He is. And did you take that away by just having him go out there and do generic choke slams and, uh, and work? generic big man stuff you kind of did and so for me i'm good with luchasaurus just being in jungle boy's corner uh and continuing to do what he does best especially when you already have another feud on the show that's centered around um two guys and a betrayal which is ricky starks and powerhouse Hobbs. don't need to have that going twice on the show uh so i was good with this i'm good with luchasaurus being back with jungle boy jungle boy decided to show some fire and if uh, if Christian Cage is going to go personal, so is Jungle Boy. I didn't know Christian Cage got divorced. I didn't know that at all. Uh, I had not been paying attention to that. And so uh, that was interesting. Uh, and he went there, and I appreciated Jungle Boy uh, taking the little digs at him. He talked about him having a small prick, and he's like, maybe that's why he got divorced. There's definitely a miscue on Christian having the live promo backstage and Jungle Boy not knowing to, like, stop talking. Uh, <laughs> and, like, Christian turns around, and he's like, why is he still going? Uh, and you could see a little bit of awkwardness there, but once Christian got going, uh, he reminded us that he wasn't scared. He gave typical heel stuff. He wasn't scared of what Jungle Boy was going to do to him. He was scared of what he could do to Jungle Boy. And just you wait, because I know your deepest, darkest secrets. This was great shit. Uh, this is another program and feud that 
again, we know where we're heading for All Out. I'm ready for this one, and I'm excited to see the payoff in the actual match between the two. So the big downfall of this segment was that Christian just was not watching TV like you're supposed to backstage. It's supposed to. <laughs> You're supposed to add a slate. Um, uh-huh. But I really liked the segment. It was nice to get some fire out of Jungle Boy. Um, he's still coming along a little bit on the mic, but this, I think, was the best promo we've seen him give, especially live. And, um, you know, I think when somebody attacks family members who have passed, like, that's a really, <laughs> sounds weird, but it's a really freeing device because you as a babyface now have full reign to do and say basically whatever you want. Like, I don't think you have to, um, like, be careful about anything because they just went after dead family members. So that let Jungle Boy do whatever he wanted to and needed to do, which I think is something that's really, really valuable. The Christian heel turn has been so great to me in its simplicity. Like, he's doing some very fundamental heel work and coloring in the lines of that heel work with shades of the story I keep saying because um, this has just been like textbook 101 but he's made it feel compelling with the juice of the story of what's in front of him and I think it's just like a really nice reminder of like hey all the fundamentals of being a bad guy still work like we don't have to overcomplicate it at all let's make this clean and simple and I think it's been really really effective as far as Luchasaurus goes He's a wrestler that's not really for me, which is fine. Like, not every wrestler has to be for me. So from a taste perspective, he's not my favorite guy in the world. It's not because of the way he works. I think the way that he works is actually something really special and unique. And I don't really understand the argument because him being able to do things like a shooting star press as a bigger guy makes him that much more punishing as a bigger guy. So I don't even buy into the baseline of like it's not as effective for a big dude to work that way because if you can do all those moves as a bigger dude they're extremely impactful right (laughs) like Mm -hmm. they're they're all the more painful and all the more punishment inducing so i don't really buy into that narrative and i also just don't think you should have to work a certain way because a bunch of guys before you did it um that seems silly and if you're a wrestler that's connecting with kids do flashy shit like (laughs) why not like that's basically he's a he's a lucha dinosaur man like that's a kid-oriented character right and like my kids love luchasaurus and I, i think that's part of why um i watch wrestling the way i do i watch wrestling with my kids and uh i will say uh for those of you who have been with me these last uh, any time in the last 17 years. And uh, I know there's a good amount of people, uh, specifically in the chat, I see names that I've recognized from over the years. Uh, you've probably seen my evolution as a wrestling fan. And one of the things that you've seen for me, especially since like 2018, is that I watch wrestling through the eyes of my kids um, because I watch Dynamite with my son. And so I do try to pick up on a lot of what he's excited by. And so when I see people harp on things that my kids like, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Because like, obviously kids, yeah, Yeah. I'm like, kids obviously like this. And so it's not for me. Look, there's plenty of things in wrestling that aren't for me. Sure. I'll say this, something that's very popular is not for me. Never heard me down on it before, but it's not for me. There's two people in pro wrestling I absolutely do not get. Pat McAfee, don't get it. Um. Don't get it at all. Uh, and every time I see 
tweets that are like, wow, Pat McAfee, he's like the best. And I love his energy. And I just think, no, this dude's like annoying as shit. But like, obviously, there's something that's connecting with people. It's not me. But I recognize that it connects with them. Sure. So therefore, you can have Pat McAfee. And Logan Paul, other one. I would get Logan Paul. But uh, the thing with Logan Paul was that he's better than Dominic Mysterio. That's the only conversation that I've been hearing <laughs> is like, how is this guy already better than that guy? Which I don't like the comparison game. I think I, I'm not a big Pat McGill personally, but I think he feels authentic in um, his delivery of promos, which I feel like WWE I thought he ruined is- Shinsuke's entrance, by the way. And that, I feel is unforgivable, but that is. Um, but that is. but we're, this is an important conversation too, because I think one thing that gets lost is there's a difference between things that don't make sense because they don't make wrestling sense and taste. And I always try to distinguish between mm-hmm. I don't like this because of taste or I don't like this because it doesn't make wrestling sense because those are two extremely different things. And to me, that's the root of substantive criticism, yeah. which. Taste is something that we'll talk about in the main event. <laughs> uh, well, so, oh, I guess it is. Um, and so next we had Swerve Strickland versus Tony Nese and Mark Sterling in a handicap match. Uh, in that Swerve was just ready to be done with Mark Sterling. Mark Sterling, of course, uh, introduced the people against Swerve Strickland Um petition a couple weeks ago it's been about three weeks he had a number of people sign it uh including max caster and uh he also had tony Nese sign it he tried to get orange cassidy to sign it and ended up leading to a match but regardless it was time here for swerve to finally want to put away mark sterling once and for all i had to ask somebody who was at the show um because there was a chant happening when they got back from commercial that i couldn't make out but i could make out half of it and it was no we don't and uh and it was something something no we don't and he told me they were chanting or half the crowd was chanting we want smart mark and the other half was chanting no we don't and uh so that was fascinating um who are these smart mark sterling fans i like mark sterling um but it's just interesting to hear that there were people in the crowd that were actually kind of for him. Um, I appreciate that my change to Swerve's music keeps getting more and more over each week. Yeah, the, it does. That the, <laughs> uh, I actually, I was going to tweet this, uh, but I put together a video of the times it's aired so far. And each time it plays, it gets louder uh, that the, the Swerve sounds that the crowd really didn't do it much the first time. Cause I didn't, I think they didn't know what to expect, but each time since then, it's gotten louder. Thank you, Worcester, Massachusetts, for, for um, proving <laughs> the chain going <laughs> for proving my idea right because I could have been wrong as hell on this when I presented this idea of hey I think Swerve's music needs whose house uh, added to the intro uh, I could have been way off base um, because the thing is when it comes to things like that. You could have all the ideas in the world. Wrestlers will say this all the time. You could have all the ideas in the world, but until it's in front of a crowd and you've seen how they react, you never actually know. Um, look at Jericho trying to get GFY over earlier this year. How'd that go? Uh, and and so, to his credit, him being a wizard did get over. Like, yeah. who would have thought? You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you just don't know. You, you don't just know don't until know. it's out there in front of people. 
and uh, I'm not one of those guys who gets to do this all the time. So I was like, I think it'll get over, but I'm not sure, but I hope it does. In the first week, I was like, like my heart was beating out of my chest. And when it like barely got a reaction, I was like, oh, fuck, I was wrong. I was wrong. No one's ever going to listen to me again. But then the following week, it was over. And the week after that, it was over. And there we go. Uh, anyway, the match itself. We've seen Swerve and Tony Nese work together before. Um, this was more about Swerve getting his hands on Mark Sterling. And once he was finally able to, he kicked his head off with the house call. One, two, three. Beat him. Uh, I thought the ending was a little bit weird in that uh, Tony Nese tried to grab Swerve's leg to stop him from hitting the house call. But then just kind of like gave up and laid there uh, and let Swerve hit the one, two, three. But... Um, backstage, we see Keith Lee taking a big old nap, uh, because Josh Woods was standing over him. And then Tony needs to attack Swerve. And it looks like, at least as a stopgap thing, uh, we've got a little bit of a tag team program. Josh Woods teaming with Tony Nice to take on Swerve in our glory. What did you think? I think... This is the only thing in the show that I was like, oh, this could have maybe been on Rampage instead or something like this didn't feel like I super needed it. I think Swerve is terrible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. Swerve is like. Um, I was going to say, I've got my finger right on that remove button. I am so <laughs> kidding. Like, my goodness. of, um, I'm so happy that they have the tag titles because I feel like both Lee and Swerve were probably not going to be in line for single shots necessarily super soon and they so both deserve gold and the way that they've gelled as a tag team so quickly is so impressive to me um but in this match alone like i i we knew what tony nice could do we've like to your point we've seen swerve and nice together before um and there was never a doubt that this was going to be a good match in the ring smart mark did surprise me in some of the reactions that he was getting but i like mark sterling um Josh Woods being a soft gap is really interesting to me. I think he and Tony Nese could be great together. Uh, my heart aches because I really, really hope that whatever's going on with Gresham gets resolved because I really wanted to see the foundation versus the Blackpool Combat Club. And I would love to for Josh Woods to have been a part of that story at some point. So while I am intrigued, there's a big piece of me that's like, oh, I kind of hope it's temporary, though, because I do want that to work out so badly. But Josh Wood, uh, an incredibly impressive talent in Ring of Honor and very happy to see him on AEW. But this was this was great. It served its purpose. It was a lot of fun. Um, but but yeah, I'm just I love um, what Keith Lee and Swerve can do as a tag team and what it does for them as individuals in, in the same breath. And I think if you want to have Josh Woods versus Tony Nese as uh, challengers to that, my goodness, that sounds like a blast. So I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, I, so you mentioned rampage by the way. And like, I hope rampage is starting to make a little more sense to people because uh, I think for a long time, people weren't sure what rampage was supposed to be. Um, but there seems to be kind of this this cycle with Rampage, where Rampage, you know, Dynamite kind of has its established stuff. And Rampage almost has been, almost since day one, the program that kind of functions as the springboard into Dynamite. Where, like, when Rampage first kicked off, 
Um, CM Punk didn't have a match on Dynamite till what, October? Uh, and he debuted in August, but his matches were taking place on Rampage. Brian Danielson, same thing. Brian Danielson's matches, he was having Rampage matches. Adam Cole, when he first came in, was almost like known as Rampage King. Uh, I almost had it burned in my brain that the Rampage theme would play, followed by You Know What's All About the Boom. Like, I hear those still side by side. And when Swerve first came in, I noticed some of the detractors were like, uh, you know, oh, look at Swerve. You know, he signed a big deal, but now he's, or they brought him in as a big deal, but we only see him on Rampage. And my brain immediately went to, have you not noticed that's how people get brought in? That Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Adam Cole were all brought in, started on Rampage, now are regulars on Dynamite. And that's just kind of how the the cycle goes with Rampage. Um, and because I think, I think when Rampage first came about, the expectation from a lot of people was SmackDown. They saw it as the equivalent from Raw to SmackDown. But I remember a podcast Tony Khan did back in 2020 when Rampage was first announced. And they said, are you sure you want to take on a second show? Because you know what Thunder did to WCW. And his response was, well, I'm not thinking more along the lines of Thunder. I'm thinking more like Sunday Night Heat. And... Um, in like early Sunday Night Heat, like 98, 99. And I knew exactly what he meant by that because Sunday Night Heat was kind of a supplemental program to Raw. It wasn't a um, the follow-up program like SmackDown was. It was a, okay, the things we couldn't necessarily fit on Raw or the things we're like kind of thinking about putting on Raw eventually, we're going to use Sunday Night Heat for. And then eventually they start making their way into Raw. Uh, and I got that. I knew that's exactly what he wanted Rampage to be. But the issue was the first dance. The first dance set a crazy expectation. And uh, you set a crazy expectation for it because one of the biggest moments, wrestling, goddamn history. The return of CM Punk. Probably a moment that Kate here wakes up to and plays every day of her life. That I left uh, <laughs> ROH early for to go watch. Yeah, I uh, was at ROH Live and was like, I love you, Grisham, but my boy's coming back tonight. I gotta go. Uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, the other thing is, it, it's just, I think, partly due to the time slot, too. Um, but I feel like they scale up their live rampages and their taped rampages to be uh, different products yes. almost, so... Um, as somebody who starts their Friday night reviews at 11 o'clock, I would love to see that move to, <laughs> to a new time slot. Um, but I, I think oh, Rampage, okay. I would say it's... I, I, I'll say this. Absolutely new time slot. As far as everything I said is concerned about the structure of the program, I think it is what it is. As far as time slot is concerned, my God, put it anywhere else. Um, I Please. don't want to watch wrestling late on Fridays. Uh, and I don't even have to review it. I was going to say, Kate I just does. don't want to start my review at 11.15. That's my I only know. thing. <laughs> if you could get it earlier, that'd be great. Um, Saturdays would be even better, but uh, I get it. There's so much wrestling on that finding a uh, uncontested, unique spot is tough. Um, but man, I would... I still want a wrestling show to air at Saturdays at 6.05 Eastern on the Superstation, but I know that that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but I want, and somebody in the chat asked us, we'll have a baseball team. Um, I mean, when the Rockies are doing well enough, sure. But <laughs> other than that, <laughs> um, uh, not really. Um, 
I I am very much into playoff baseball, and that's when like I really get into it. Otherwise, you guys know me. I'm a basketball guy. Uh, I do watch and follow a lot of football, but baseball's a long season. Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> baseball is a long season. But yeah, though no, postseason baseball is some of my favorite stuff. The World Series is still kind of unmatched in terms of excitement and. Uh, those late nights can be wonderful. Uh, okay. AEW women's title on the line. Thunder Rosa taking on Miyu Yamashita. Um, I, as I've mentioned before, I'm a big Tokyo Joshi Pro fan. I saw this match the first time it took place. I actually thought it was better the first time it took place. Uh, but saw it in full. Watched it live. Stayed up super late watched it at two o'clock in the morning to watch this match take place live there were other things i wanted to see on the show at summer sun princess um back at the beginning of july but i was happy to get to see miyu yamashita get her shine on dynamite i appreciated that some of the crowd was into miyu uh and uh, but this was another defense from Thunder Rosa. Uh, there were some rough spots in this match. As soon as I saw them, I immediately went, ah, fuck, the botches crowd is going to get a hold of these and yeah. act like this is an indictment on um, the whole careers of these two. But otherwise, I thought uh, outside of those rough spots, I had fun with this match. I thought it was intense. I thought uh, Miyu got to show out and look good here. Um I love Joshi style wrestling and uh, I love when Thunder Rosa gets to do it. Um, she, of course, had a strong presence in Tokyo Joshi Pro, former champion in Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um, but this was that match. And uh, I thought this was. Let me think about the statement before I finish it. <laughs> uh. Okay, I'll say this. This was the best title defense Thunder Rosa has had on Dynamite. There we go. I narrowed that so far down that there's no way to take that away from me. Mainly because uh, I, some will say the Double or Nothing one was better. Some will say Forbidden Door was better. Um, you might even be able to argue Battle of the Belts was better. But on Dynamite... Um, you, Miss Kate, <laughs> just, I sometimes feel you are a masochist when it comes to <laughs> deciding uh, how you are going to let Twitter essentially come at you. It, I mean, do you mute those tweets? You, you would have to because sometimes. For me, I just look. I tweeted about Bailey the other day, in a tweet that ultimately was a positive tweet, but may have had a little bit of a negative thing in there. Where I had said that you know, ba I mentioned Bailey's 2019, but the overall arcing point of the tweet was that she overcame all of that and eventually ended up having the best run of her career. But the fact that I had anything negative to say at all, my God. The quote tweets, the replies were all coming at me. Uh, how could you have anything negative to say about any of this? 
blah, blah, blah. I eventually muted it. Let it go. I know you, Kate. I know how <laughs> passionately you feel about uh, the showcase of women's wrestling, uh, particularly in AEW. Because, and I say particularly because the thing people come at you most for is, well, did you say this? They'll search your tweets. They'll look for your history. They'll say, did you say any of this? It's always going to be a thing. But yeah, uh, it's it's Twitter. Um, so there's a few things with that one. I find it hilarious that people think that I don't criticize the WWE women's division because every Friday night I have a lot to say. Um, the reason it's particularly frustrating in AEW is I feel like the WWE product has been pretty rough across the board and in AEW I know what they're creatively capable of and it feels like a more active choice not to do it um in the women's division because I see I see what they're capable of with the men and with the tag wrestling and I I don't feel like we're getting a lot of that with the women's division when you the reason I don't care on Twitter is I really don't care what a bunch of men have to say about my feelings as a woman about women's wrestling like uh that doesn't doesn't really bother me i usually i just wouldn't be able to put up with the notifications that's all i'm just like oh that gets muted yeah yeah so So i I, that's why i'm hoping you you at least (laughs) i i'll respond to some i'll block some and then uh just hit, hit the mute button but when you as a company make a choice to bring it so from the match perspective there were parts of this that did feel a little clunky i don't think this was thunder rose's best performance i didn't watch it live but i did actively seek out the the first go round of this because i thought it was a big deal that thunder rosa lost um and that there was a story going into this episode of dynamite uh i was shocked that she lost too by the way mainly just because i thought they just put the stip on the match just to give it some stakes i had didn't even occur to me that uh Miu could win um but yeah. i love Miu yamashita so it was like okay her, like she's gonna appear on dynamite i think she won the crowd over with her strikes like mm-hmm. when you see someone kick that hard i think it's really hard not to love them <laughs> i think it's very very fun but part of my frustration and the reason that i'm so I don't know if you can be mouthy on Twitter because you're not actually using your mouth, but basically mouthy on Twitter is that I just, it feels like a compounded thing of continued frustrations. We've seen multiple tournaments and battle Royals that didn't really lead to anywhere. Um, and then for this match to go on in the nine thirty slot, you're telling me that like the pinnacle of women's wrestling in your own company, uh, goes on in the 930 slot like the biggest thing that you have going you brought in a world-renowned talent right to put them on in the 930 slot not even at the top of the nine o'clock hour which like people would at least be tuning in for like this to me does read as the graveyard slot um to have a world title match male or woman not opening or closing the show feels insulting especially when the thing that closed is also not a world title match um but would you have put the i mean you said you would but um, I guess looking <laughs> at because I saw I saw that point, and I agree that the nine thirty slot is not necessarily where I would have put this. Um, I might have swapped this with the previous match. Um, would you? I can't say I would have put this over either of the matches we got to open or close, though. I wouldn't have put this over the um, Moxley and Roosh 
uh, simply because Sean Moxley. I wouldn't have put this over Brian Danielson. He, this was his return match after two months um, where we don't really, I mean, where everybody was concerned about his condition. Um, I wouldn't have necessarily, I might have actually put that on first, but now knowing that they had the shock ending to it, I now get why that went on last. Um, I don't necessarily see any scenario where Thunder Rosa versus Miyu Yamashita should have uh, taken either of those spots. That's not to say that a Thunder Rosa match in general or a AEW women's title match in general shouldn't. Um, but I think, because I think if Thunder Rosa versus, say, any of the major players in the AEW women's division, Ruby Soho, um, or, I mean, we've seen Britt Baker, so I'm not going to say Britt, but, uh, but if we had seen uh, even Tony Storm, um, any of the other major players in the women's division in that slot, I, I would probably agree. Even as a Miyu Yamashita fan, I recognize that uh, she's not necessarily somebody who has that presence on TV. To She's not well known even within the program of AEW fans. I wouldn't have necessarily done that. Um, but I think even as the second match, maybe. Uh, or in the the slot that Swerve and uh, Mark Sterling and Tony Nese ended up taking. I could see that. Um, but I don't know that I necessarily agree with first or last. Then put something on a different show. Put something on main event Rampage with it. Put Mox on Rampage. It's still the same live crowd. They're still going to get to see all the same stuff. But you get to script whatever you want. You could have Danielson and Garcia open Rampage. Um you're it's more what it's indicative of in the bigger picture if this was like a one-time thing fine and from an in-ring perspective i understand because it didn't play out necessarily the way that we wanted it to but you're telling me that the most important thing in all of women's wrestling on your show is a 10-minute match at 9 30 which is no different than any other week and i think thunder rosa and serena Deeb was great i think thunder rosa and tony storm was great I thought this match was pretty good. I thought her match against Nyla was very good. And you have not done proper builds around all these things. So it's like that on top of all of this. And as I mentioned before, you know, uh, that compared, like compounded with every woman needing to a man to get on television. I will, of course, make an exception for the baddies and Stokely. That's a completely different situation. Like Stokely is a manager who, to be honest, of all the title pictures up until this episode, that was the one that was kind of the only one that felt super important, like and had a story around it up until, <laughs> up until now. Um, oh yeah, it felt like like last week. I thought when uh, and Phil brought it up on the show, but when Athena and um, Jade Cargill and I was one of the people critiquing um, the fact that they hadn't done anything with Athena and Jade Cargill yet, and that's a match that's been building since Double or Nothing. But credit where it's due, the, when they had that stare down in the middle of the ring, the crowd popped and was kind of going nuts for the idea of these two finally being face-to-face. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I I guess, fine, I can wait on that match, even though <laughs> it's now, if they pull, if they, if we end up having waited till All Out for Athena versus jade cargill that's over three months that 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 i think that'll be battle of the belts 
Battle of the Belts is next week, though. Uh, so like. Oh wow, that's next. It, week, it's huh? a like even Battle of the Belts is like now kind of too soon. Yeah, right? that's so, so it's weird. Like, <laughs> that's funny. I thought it was the week after for some reason. Yeah, but... Battle of the Belts is a week from Sunday or Saturday. Uh, it's so it's either go all the way and go home right now or stretch this out till September. Sure. And I don't know what we do with that. Uh, so I just encourage people overall again, like this, if this was one isolated thing, that's fine. But if the situations were reversed, buildings would be set on fire. <laughs> like if the treatment of the women's division was how the men's division is treated, people would be outraged. And if, you're outraged about that think about how then i feel about things like this so um again on its own maybe it's not the worst thing but compounded with i think the other frustrations that there's been with the women's division for me overall um this just looks really it you're it I, feels I, like you're telling me that your own women's title is not important based on the time slot and the bills that you've been giving it I am curious what the research behind the 930 time slot is. Uh, and I say that because this wasn't always the case with the women's division. That we've seen multiple women's matches that were um, one that have made evented or they've never opened. Uh, but we've seen multiple main events and we've seen um, multiple, uh, even the second match on the show. You know, as a matter of fact, for a long time, it was the second segment where, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, wasn't Riho versus... And I feel like Riho is, like, their exception, right? Like, they know Riho is a draw. She is a time slot draw. But, like, Riho versus Serena Deeb, I'm pretty sure that went on, I think, second on the show when that took place. Um, and so, to me, it's like, when there's specific women where you know the company believes in them, like a Riho, like a Britt Baker. It seems like they can fall anywhere in the show. Britt has opened the show, actually. Mixed tag match, but she has. Um, but it feels like anything else does fall in that 930 time slot. And I'm curious what the... I don't know. You know me. I, I always... I never assume ill intent with things. I, sure. I assume but like, that... We also didn't even get a video package about me. You know what I mean? Like, they there was nothing the, they, special. Like, they didn't do a video package, so. but they reshowed the match from um, Summer Sun Princess. Yes, they did um, do that. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I do get just a little bit curious about those things and how this all plays out. Um, overall, we've talked about this match longer than it actually went. Uh, <laughs> but Because uh, overall, I give the match... Uh, it was a B minus for me. Um, and Van Twinblade. Van Twinblade has things to say. Uh, he says, Sway betrayed 2D <laughs> Sunday, and I'm not over it. Uh, you know what I haven't even looked at because I know Streamlabs was having uh, issues earlier. They Humper hit, Chats. Uh, yeah, I hadn't even looked at Humper Chats. And the reason was because, uh, yeah, Streamlabs had tweeted. I guess we didn't have anything. So we're good. But they had we tweeted did. out that they were having issues. They did have this from Ray saying, essentially kind of what I was saying, that most fans don't even really know her, and AEW didn't really make an effort to to tell us um, who she was. They promoted it, but they didn't really tell us about her. And I think that's also just an opportunity whenever you're bringing anybody in. And they don't do that with the men either. They're just kind of like, here's Ishii, hope you know who he is. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, so, and you know, the, the weird thing about that is that... Um, I, I would at least like to talk about that from the men's perspective. From women's, different conversation maybe. From men's, 
I don't give a shit. And that shit doesn't matter. Um, and the reason I say that shit doesn't matter is because um, I feel like that's something we as wrestling people kind of overanalyze. But like statistically, have you ever looked at minute by minute um, ratings for pro wrestling programming? I have not really. I've, do you know I've the stuff that, that loses it? Do you know what loses the most viewers more than anything else? Video packages. Video packages. Video packages lose viewers because people see them as commercials. Like ultimately, your average viewer really just wants to see people like uh, wrestle, right? And like um, I think, and like I said, I think there is a a wrestling analyst thing where people are like, "Well, why didn't they explain this?" And it's because you're used to the. I'm not saying you specifically. I'm saying in general when people talk about this, they're like, oh, it's because you're used to, to kind of things being over-explained to you, um, which WWE has done sure. forever, where they will hammer things in your head until you know. They will show you stuff from earlier in the night where, God, we live in the age of DVR. If I wanted to see it again, I would watch it again. Yeah, it yeah. happened before the commercial <laughs> break. Yeah. yeah, like you're showing me stuff that I know I can see again and I have the ability to see again. I think that... Um, there's a happy medium. I don't think AEW reached the happy medium with uh, Miyu Yamashita. I think that um, one of the things AEW does really well are the Road 2 packages. And yes. I like those Road 2 packages because of the fact that when you run those, um, you're essentially giving people the ability. Look, it's YouTube. More people have access to YouTube than any platform on the planet. Like, Ali will never, ever take an argument that YouTube is worse off than cable when uh youtube doesn't or when cable tv doesn't have one tenth one tenth i think it's a hundredth sorry one one hundredth of the reach that youtube has and so i always say that if people want that kind of information i think it's on AEW to put that kind of stuff together and give people access to it i think that um twitter video package or packages are a good thing i think facebook um youtube any place you can put video packages to give people some more background on things and if they want to seek that they can but i think when you only have two hours of a tv show um and you're presenting it in front of a live crowd i think the best thing you can do for people is give them as much content in the arena as possible so to me i think it's a complete waste of time to run video packages for things that people have access to otherwise we live in a digital age where people can get it if they want it just give them stuff in the arena and my only argument is that it would make a i don't think you have to do it with every competitor who's coming in especially with the rotating cast that you have in aw for a world title shot just yeah, even no, to I, give it a big fight feel. That's why I was saying. I feel with, like you should. With yeah. Miu, they didn't. They didn't do that, right? Where like, if I remember correctly, um, I don't recall there being uh, a big showcase of Miu Yamashita on Road Two or anything along those lines, or anything that they posted even on their Twitter. I think that's as far as I would need to go. I don't need it in the show. In the show, keep the show in the arena is what I feel like because, god damn it, I have been to a hundred WWE shows over the years. I enjoyed a lot of them. But I will tell you the thing I like least in attending a wrestling show is when I have to sit in my seat and watch stuff on the Tron. That is a waste of my time. I came to see the action in the ring. Give me stuff in the ring. That's all I care about. And uh, that's that's the stuff that gets the biggest reactions. Give people the most of their show. Um, I think Yamashita is one that they should have done more by. Um, And I think as far as introducing new people is concerned, just give them content on on the socials. I feel that works. Um, what does the chat think of what I had to say there? 
the problem isn't with wrestling fans, but the wider audience, which you depend on to pull good rating numbers. But the thing is, with the wider audience, the ratings have shown that the more wrestling you give them, the better. Brian Danielson versus um, versus Hangman Adam Page went an hour and grew in viewership. People just want to see people wrestle. Like that's it grew as time went on. The the notion that people don't want to see the in ring action is complete horseshit, and there's no data to back that up. Um, but on the other hand, uh, I do feel like now, granted, stars are, are a different story. You know, you could have Roman Reigns go out there and have his eight minute long entrance, and people do tune in for that. Uh, but there's very few people you can do that with. Um, because ultimately, I just uh, there's a counterpoint to what I just said. Because as much as the Roman Reigns entrance draws, Roman Reigns versus uh, Riddle from a few weeks ago, that shit drew huge. Yeah. Uh, because ultimately, no matter what, in a wrestling program, people still want to see the actual wrestling happening. And uh, there's the, the largest... The largest segment in the history of Monday Night Raw to this day is Undertaker versus Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF Championship in a match. You'll never be able to prove that pro wrestling isn't the piece that people have come to see and want to see. Sure. Um, so, I don't know. That's <laughs> People just want to see people wrestle. Yes, thank you. In the chat. like yeah. that, I don't know. That's... But also, I recognize I see things differently than that. But hey, we've got one last thing to talk about here, and that is the returning Brian Danielson taking on Daniel Garcia. Brian Danielson, uh, hey, uh, there was a side note. If you listen to our interview with Mikey Ruckus over on Grapsity, you'll know that uh, there was a new version of Brian Danielson's theme released on uh, the Symphony album. But in our interview, um, one of the things that Mikey Ruckus mentioned was that that song was actually the original Brian Danielson theme that he made for the debut. And then uh, Born for Greatness was actually made after the fact. So... uh, I know people were asking, can we see the, um, and again, Corey Richmond says, if the average audience is 50 plus, that audience is not watching YouTube. Do your parents not watch YouTube? Because mine do. Uh, that's how my parents end up down conspiracy rabbit holes. My parents very much know how to use YouTube. Um, <laughs> uh, again, I don't think that's a true thing. Look at the comments on any like music video from the 80s and look at the comments where people are like, oh, my childhood. Those people are in their 50s and 60s. Um, so I don't know. I don't think that's true either. I think that that's a... Um... I'll say, though, I get that it's the most accessible thing, but Dynamite is still the most watched thing by almost, what, four times? And compared to what they draw on, maybe three times to what they draw uh, on YouTube shows, so... Depends on what it is. I mean, on a on Dark, sure, that's true, but like... Look at uh, YouTube segments, for example. The uh, Swerve and Keith Lee winning the tag titles. That's almost sure. Yeah. That that segment almost has a million views on YouTube. Um, I know that my daughter's friends that are wrestling fans, they have never seen a live Raw in their life. They've only watched no. the show in YouTube clips, and so because uh, the show runs too late for them. Um, but as kids, they consume it in just the YouTube segments. For sure. So, so I recognize there's a huge portion of people who are only consuming it that way. And I think they're- But they're consuming be- segments of the television show. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. have to, to provide the most popular YouTube comment, you have to put it on the TV show. Yeah, 
Uh, and you know, I see that says, I think you need to show highlight packages of dark and elevation need to air on TV. No, bad idea. Again, video packages. Don't do that. Um, that's, I think that's a really bad idea. I think honestly, the approach I would take is what they do, which is just run the ticker across the bottom and then say for more to see these matches, go watch YouTube. I think the part that's hurt dark and elevations viewership because dark and elevation used to draw a million viewers on YouTube. The part that's hurt it is the the shift to um, squash matches. I think that it wasn't always that. They had competitive matches for a long time. But I think as people now recognize, okay, there's a wrestler I know versus a wrestler I don't know. wonder how this one's going to go. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the issue with Dark and Elevation is that it's really just the same show um, each week that you're really just watching for the entrances and maybe the finisher. Uh, and maybe you'll get a competitive match. But it wasn't always that. The the early Dark episodes, you know, we got Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela. Those shows drew. Uh, so, I don't know. I th- We can have a conversation about the change in Dark chat, about changing what Dark is, but I think, uh, and how it's presented itself. Because I think Daily's Place really just gave them this idea of, let's bring in wrestlers and have them get squashed. But... Uh, as far as running the show on TV, don't do that. No. Don't do that. Please don't do that. For my sake, I just want to watch the wrestling. That's and there's, al- there's already too much. There's already too much. <laughs> but the main event, Brian Danielson, Daniel Garcia. What was this going to be? God, I love Brian Danielson. That is my favorite wrestler ever. <laughs> that man is so freaking over. And uh, whether and, and, and we could talk across either company he was in at the top. We could talk... Th- I said this on Twitter yesterday. Only one person tried to argue, and it's some troll that I muted uh, afterward. But I said that Brian Danielson has the most over-wrestling in the history of wrestling. And I still believe that's true. He, I said that back in 2013, where I was in a crowd in Kansas City one time. And Brian Danielson's entrance didn't even do that well crowd-wise. But man, once he got in the ring... Every little bit of offense, he has the crowd hanging on. Everything he does. And that is something really special. And he still has that. And the fact that people were so happy to have him back, they were welcome back chance. But then as soon as he starts laying in his offense to Daniel Garcia, crowd is on every single move. Brian Danielson is the best at this. There is nobody better at this than Brian Danielson. Um, so much so. That the thing that had people, that's got people pearl clutching today, was the fact that uh, Brian really very much enjoys uh, working people and getting people concerned about his injuries uh, to the point of where there was a huge amount of panic over uh, Brian working the, the head injury. And uh, when he collapsed in the middle of the ring. Guys, let the pros do their thing. I promise you, if something were actually wrong, there are kind of ways to communicate that. Like yeah. you could watch Brian communicate to Bryce Remsburg that he's fine, that he's selling. Uh, I think if that didn't sell you, the fact that Daniel Garcia then DDTs him on the concrete, came immediately after that. Well, if that didn't sell you, then I don't know what would. Uh, I love Brian. And I love, if 
I am able to shriek at the idea that <laughs> Brian is actually going to be hurt. But I know Brian Danielson, and I have been watching his work for 15 years. I recognize that he is doing a great job. And this was awesome. Uh, Brian had a big comeback. Um, the way he dropped Daniel Garcia at the first angle looked awful. When you see the replay, it's like, okay, Garcia's fine. But uh, one of them looked really bad. Uh, but then a, an arm came up and grabbed Brian Danielson. Who the hell could that have been? I was hoping it was someone more exciting when we got the reveal of who it was. <laughs> but at the time, I was intrigued. Uh, but that led to Garcia locking in a sharpshooter on uh, after he hits a pile driver on um, Brian and then locks him in a sharpshooter. Brian passes out. Ref calls it. Holy shit, Daniel Garcia. 23-year-old Brian, uh, Daniel Garcia just beat Brian Danielson in the middle of the ring in his comeback match. What a moment. I feel like that did so much for Daniel Garcia. Uh, if you hate Daniel Garcia, man, you're going to hate him even more now. Uh, <laughs> and if you love Daniel Garcia, he's this kind of made him in a way where... Are you not sports entertained, <laughs> Will? <laughs> I mean, let me tell you, there's been a formula with Daniel Garcia lately. And it's taken me a minute to pick up on it. But now that I've got it, I'm in. Uh, and what I mean by that is Daniel Garcia has been having a lot of repeat matches lately. But the repeat matches have not gone remotely the same way as the first. Case in point, a couple weeks ago, Daniel Garcia had a rematch with John Moxley. Uh, they had their first match at the first dance. Uh, and it was fairly quick. Mox just kind of beat the shit out of Daniel Garcia. That was it. In the second match, Mox tried to do the same things, and Garcia had a counter for everything, and Mox had to work his ass off to finally beat Daniel Garcia. Daniel Garcia and Brian have faced each other before. Match went a lot faster before. This time around, not only was Daniel Garcia way more competitive than he was the first time, but he actually beat Brian Danielson. That shit to me is is great stuff. Um, I'm liking them showing because I feel like it's a deliberate attempt to show Daniel Garcia's evolution as a performer, and I love it. But always important that we make sure we know what our guests thought. Kate, how did you feel about this? So I have loved the evolution of Garcia. I've loved, um, I liked that they put him over here a lot. I think it's cool when you and I know, and our, I'm sure our audience is smart enough to know too, that if Danielson didn't want to lose in his comeback match, he didn't have to lose in his comeback match. It's really cool that Danielson had such an ego aside that he put over Daniel Garcia in his comeback match. That's really, really special. The match was fantastic. I, um... I, like you, didn't need it to be Jake Hager. Oh, you like me? I, thank you. I um, do no. <laughs> like you. I did not need Jake Hager. I, I love the idea of a heel cheating to win. I especially like, we had this conversation on the Mark Order podcast a little bit yesterday, of when they have people cheating to win, it's rarely to take such an uneven playing field to make it level. 
it's two competitors who feel like they should be in the ring together. Um, and one of them has to cheat to win just because that's how he's going to get the victory because he's smart enough. But it's not like Daniel Garcia is a pathetic wrestler and Brian Danielson is the best wrestler full time, which he is. And they need to like close the gap that hard. Um, these are two professional wrestlers that are two of the best doing it. Um, there's very little Jake Hager can do to make me. I almost would have just rather not known who it was. I would rather be sitting here wondering who the hand was than have found out it was Jake Hager. Somebody but... was like, wow, would it have made a difference if it was Daddy Magic? And I was like, it it would, bit, yeah. but <laughs> not not for any reason other than that I just don't like Jake Hager. Like, there, It's not like this was bad wrestling logic in any way. I just don't like Jake Hager and he doesn't really do anything for yeah. me. So I didn't want him to have any moment. <laughs> but... but uh, I, I would have preferred a different cheat to win, I think. But as far as the match goes, I mean, Danielson looked great. I didn't like him selling like that, not in a pearl-clutching way, but in a way that I'm supposed to not like it. Like Yeah, no, and the, that, that was how I felt. Like, the first time he collapsed, I kind of bought it for a sec. And then I'm watching Bryce, and I'm like, okay, there, I know what this is. Yeah, I was just a mark. <laughs> like, I just yeah, didn't want to see it because I, I didn't want to see it. Yeah, I... I <laughs> I, I I know. Uh, by the way, this was nearly twice the length of their first match uh, that took place back at Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, that would have been uh, back in February, I want to say. Um, but let's be sure that's uh, an accurate statement. Name the arena. Well, name it. Uh, I mean, I said it was in Bridgeport. I don't know the name of the arena. Um, but it was the same arena that uh adam cole and um johnny gargano had their title match in which adam cole won the nxt championship i know that uh it was the hold on i have it here webster bank <laughs> arena wouldn't have known no not in a million years what no. the fuck is webster bank no um but, <laughs> uh on the other hand though brian versus garcia uh took place yes it was 10 minutes long the first time it took place and back in february and the rematch here was 18 minutes and but this time garcia won and again that just seems to be what we're doing with garcia they're trying to show his evolution as a performer and the things that have increased with him so i love it this yeah. match to me got a solid solid a can't go A plus, but a solid A. I had fun. It with would have it. been an A plus if it wasn't Jake Hager. <laughs> would have been an A plus if I just didn't know who it was. Uh, I would have but... given it an S if we just didn't know who the reveal was. S yeah. tiered all the way. Nah, but I, I had, knew. I liked I, it a lot though. As did I. There were a lot of really fun spots in here. The chat was saying that this was, um, what was this? This was Brett Stone Cold without the double turn at the end. As far as the finish mm -hmm. goes, yeah. uh, I really. Um, I love Garcia because he looks like he's trying to win a match all the time, which yes. I like wrestlers like that. And I'm not, I'm not an anti-flippy new person, but I have a special affinity for wrestlers who always look like they're trying to win a match mm -hmm. and do the most damage to their opponent in that. So um, his match with Wheeler at the, the pay-per-view was fantastic as well. Um, and to see him do this less than a week later, I thought was so so awesome and danielson and, is just incredible and i saw people talking up the fact that this is playing up the feud with wheeler because it's clear the feud's not over and the fact that garcia won 
by beating one Wheeler's kind of mentor right now and one in a way where he clearly learned from his mistakes in the match at uh, um, Death Before Dishonor. Great shit here. This is great shit. This is a great dynamite. I had a lot yes. of fun with this dynamite. Did everybody else have a lot of fun with this dynamite? Let's check the rating, shall we? Um, because we know we can't end day after dynamite without knowing um, the rating. But but da da da. Let's go to our friends over at WrestleNomics. Brandon Thurston, what have you got for me? This did nine hundred and seventy-six thousand, which would be up from last week. I'm pretty sure last week was like nine ten. Um, it did a 0.33 in 1849, which would have been over last week because I did a 0.32. Uh, and that is an increase kind of all around. Uh, I guess year over year, Dynamite still down 8% from last year. But of the cable wrestling shows, that's still the least any of them are down because Raw is down 9% from last year and uh, for the month of July. And NXT down a... 16%. Um, and then TV overall is down 7%. So actually still below the, what TV is doing as a whole. So questions and things to be had about that. Uh, and that's for overall viewership. That kind of all still applies to uh, regular viewership. But otherwise, oh, and that was good for number two because it lost to the uh, Yankees game. That was number one. So the streak is over. Dynamite. First sure. time in a few weeks, uh, in a few months, not number one on cable. I think they had five straight weeks, and now they're number two. Sorry about my Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> Subway Series, that's going to pull you. <laughs> but either way, and now they've been asking us to talk about Trio's tournament predictions. Um, I think this is interesting, right? Because... Uh, they announced on this show that the Undisputed Elite is back next week. All five members will be there. Ooh, this could all play very well into the tournament coming up. Because um, I don't know that Kyle O'Reilly's okay, because he was like really hurt last I heard. Uh, but I think... I mean, look, Tony said it. He outright said, I'm not doing this tournament without Kenny back because Kenny and the Bucks are kind of the quintessential trio to AEW. Now, does that mean that they win the titles? I don't know. Because uh, to me, one thing AEW has been has kind of done very interestingly is for the first champions, they haven't gone with the conventional option. Like, we all thought the Young Bucks were going to be the first tag team champs. Nope, they lost. It went, uh, it went to SCU. Um, and there were, like, I suppose Cody was, like, a shoe-in for the TNT title. But for the most part, they kind of go in a direction you may not expect. Like, if I were to pick, uh, if I were thinking about trios that have been around since the beginning of AEW, and uh, you want to kind of reward longevity... I'd go best friends, to be honest. <laughs> but I know that you also don't want to have Kenny lose his comeback. Uh, so I don't know. But at the same time, you could have Cole cost him because there's a story to tell there. God, what's your prediction? Well, and we have the Hung Bucks going around right now, right? So there's yeah. like, there's a lot. I don't think I can make a, an accurate prediction on it yet. But I think, 
I think it'll be Kenny and the Bucks ultimately winning that. My heart wants it to be House of Black really bad. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think it will be Kenny and the Bucks because I just, I don't know. That <laughs> seems like a... Kenny and the Bucks. <laughs> For sure. It just feels like... Um, they also give fans what they want a lot of times, and I think a lot of people want that for for a returning Kenny Omega. Yeah, they said, how many teams are we expecting in the tourney? Eight. Um, I mean, I could come up with eight right off the top of my head, so sure. Yeah, jeez. Because uh, like the thing is, they were planning on doing this like two years ago. Um, this was the whole reason Death Triangle like existed, and I guess props to AEW for hanging on to Death Triangle this long. Um, but the yeah, I don't know. Uh, I would say Kenny and the Bucks feels like the smart pick, but also knowing that the Bucks weren't the first to win the tag titles tells me that they are very much okay with the idea of being the quintessential trio, but giving somebody else the victory. I would like to see, just because they, I don't see any other gold that they could all win, I would like to see it go to best friends. Um, I don't see a scenario. I feel like Orange Cassidy at this stage has earned a title in AEW. Sure. But like, what title is he ever going to get? I feel like the best friends have at this stage kind of earned a title. But if you look at the landscape, who are they going to, what titles are they going to get? I would say, like, to me, I would go best friends. Sure. That's my trio. And like uh, and then I would love to see the people who hate Orange Cassidy's just heads explode. Cry. Oh, yeah. That'd be great, too. But yes, give me <laughs> give me best friends. That's what I want. Uh, anyway, Kate, you have just given me the longest episode of Day After Dynamite yet. Story of my life. I hope you know that. It's <laughs> uh, not a trademark I want, but it's one that I have now. I no, this was great though, and and the thing is, people like longer shows. Um, yes, they do. I, I recognize that. Uh, I have because we don't you- have video packages in our shows. Well. That's it. Uh, I do have to tell people that um, longer shows aren't going to be all that doable in the future because uh, the school year is starting back up really soon. And I have to Three pick up my kids. Three o'clock is prime had, time, yeah. <laughs> had this been a show uh, during the school year, I would have had to abruptly end this 30 minutes ago to go pick up my kids. <laughs> so just know school year coming up. As a matter of I'll fact, never be invited back. 13... <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool from June to August. You can invite me back on there, but <laughs> 13 more days and school starts. My goodness. That's it. I have a sixth grader. I have a Whoa. middle schooler. What the hell? My God. Folks, where can we find Kate? Oh God. <laughs> You're it's literally a week of shows for me coming up, so um, you've got me on AW Rampage and SmackDown Review tomorrow. You've got me on SummerSlam behind the Fightful Paywall on Saturday. Ric Flair's last match and um, the Raw after SummerSlam post shows on the regular Fightful YouTube. Tuesday back with Sour Graps. Wednesday at the Mark Quarter Pod. And then Thursday, I'm taking a real long nap. But you can find all that information at Miss Kate Fabe on Twitter and TikTok and Kate's Instagrams on Instagram. Yep. For Kate, I'm Will Washington. We'll see you next time. Have Oh, sorry. Side note. In case you weren't already aware because you weren't following us on Twitter. Folks, there's no Grap City this Saturday. It's on Sunday this week. Uh, so bring your Sunday best because we're going to bring our Sunday best. 
and uh yeah we're gonna talk about it after SummerSlam rather than before so uh grab city will be on sunday this week not saturday same time same station youtube.com slash fightful anyway i'm will washington cheesecake we'll see you next time have a great day peace